see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Spit, you are uh, with us here on this Tuesday, April 28th of the coronavirus lockdown. I'm Scott Bass, David Lee Scales joining us. David, how are you, buddy? I am wonderful, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Have you been in the water? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I went on my little mission. Um, which I think we should spend the majority of the show talking about. That is my new favorite topic of conversation. <laughs> uh, mm. By the way, somebody sent me. I'll look it up real quick while we're talking. Did you? Do you? Are you familiar with the artist? Um, I think her name's Robin Lanai or Lanay. Yeah, I posted that picture on my Instagram today. Oh, you did? Yeah, I reposted it. Dude, was that directly? made about you i don't think so no i'm no she just right. i mean i think everyone's kind of feeling that way yeah but she's literally got a board stashed in the bushes <laughs> um surveying a surf spot it's i mean it's almost uh so robin linnae she's an artist and uh you can find her on instagram for listeners but anyway she posted a little piece of art that is a surfer hiking through the bushes with a board stashed in the bushes, surveying the surf. It is the precise scenario that Scott all but illustrated for us. You audioly, audi, yeah. auditorily illustrated for us. Yeah. Auditorily. <laughs> I don't know if auditorily, maybe, but yeah. So she did a good job. I, like I said, I grabbed it and reposted it on my site with all credit to her. Yeah. I don't know her, but I thought it was pretty cool. I think somebody else sent it to me, said, hey, she must have been thinking about you. Probably the same guy that sent it to you. Maybe. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it was a cool, cool little bit there that she sent over. Um, obviously, there's a ton. Well, not a ton, but legitimate surf news that just broke this morning. But yeah. should, we should we catch up first and go through emails and catch ups or should we get into the news? Yeah, let's do an email or and some catch up on my mission, and then we'll get into the news, I guess. Sweet. Um, let's also start out by thanking our longtime sponsor, NeatEssentials.com. Yes, absolutely. Neat Essentials, the uh, wonderful company that provides us with sandals and wet-dry bags and wetsuits and puffy jackets and board shorts. They provide All the they provide me with warmth, most importantly, in yeah. all in all facets. Warmth in the ocean, warmth in the mountains, warm the cockles of my heart. Yes. Warmth is crucial. I'm a big fan of warmth myself. And uh, Neat Essentials, you got to go there and uh, take a look at their offerings. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, direct to consumer. It's a, it's a disruptive... Um, game plan and strategy and i'm a big fan of it and uh you know they're going to cut out the marketing costs and pass the savings on to you 
I feel like we haven't even discussed that in a long time, but yeah, that's exactly right. It's same quality, if not better quality than you're accustomed to with wetsuits. And it's a fraction of the price basically because of the structure of the business model. But um, the direct to consumer thing, obviously we're seeing be super successful in today's climate with retail being closed. And I'm, I'm not talking about the surf world specifically, but just the world at large direct to consumer, um, is thriving through this time. So, yeah, I mean, if you are in the surf industry and you have the capabilities and the distribution and all that to be able to go direct to consumer, you know, you have shipping all lined up and everything and you have a website that's ready to go. I mean, this is the time to take advantage of that. You know, like totally. if you can touch your customers and let them know that you're, re you're whaling items out the door right now. Um, what do you need? We got it for you and we'll deliver it free shipping for the month or whatever it is, you know, get, get them hooked. And, uh, now's the time to do that. I I'll be honest. I'm looking for a new surfboard. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I said that. You really? right. Yeah. So, um, Xanadu posted a picture of two of his boards. Right. And, okay. and I was like, wow, man. Um, these are incredible. Hold on, there's somebody at my front door, so I'm kind of going, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want to pause it? And I yeah, mean, just I'll pause. edit. I'll edit this out. Uh, I guess my wife's handling it. Um, Anyways. Where was I? Xan Xanadu. Oh, yeah. So Xanadu posted this, these two uh, boards in one of his Instagrams. And I've always loved Xanadu's boards ever since probably Brad Gerlach and Jeff Baldwin were riding them. And I used to hang a little bit with, for sure with Baldy. And, um, and that was a time when Xanadu's were hot, like say like 1989, 1990. And his boards always have a, had a really unique kind of nose template and they were just super spicy and they just look sexy. And, and, and you always see guys ripping on them, you know, and Xanadu's a great surfer himself. And I've always, I've always wanted one. And, um, I actually ran into Xanadu about, I don't know, a month and a half ago down at the beach. I was coming in from the water. I'm like, hey, I'm going to Indo. I need a board, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, order board, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, but anyway, he, so he, this, this board came across my Instagram yesterday. It's probably still up there if you go onto the Xanadu Instagram page. And it's this little twin fin. It's this cool little twin fin that he makes with glass on fins. And it just looks so like perfect for me right now. Like it's, it's got a lot of volume up near the nose. It's got kind of a pulled in tail for a twin fin. And, and then there's a video on this. Like I fully bought all the marketing. Like there's video on his side of a guy just ripping. It looks like he's at, down at um, that right-hander in, in uh, El Salvador. Um, I forget the name of it, but you know, which M mango, Punta mango or whatever. Right. And the guy's just ripping and ripping and ripping. And it's just like, God, that board looks killer. And I'm like, you know what? I've been wanting one of those. I'm going to get, I'm going to get one of those boards. You know, I'm going to be all psyched. Cause I figured we were in lockdown. I'm like, I'm going to have a board for when we get out of lockdown. Anyway, I rationalized the shit out of it. But I, so I sent Xanadu an email. I'm like, Hey, I want a new board, blah, blah, blah. I haven't heard back from him. But the point of all of this is I've been, go uh, so I went to his site and he sells his boards out of Hanson's. So I'm like, I'll just go buy one off the rack at Hanson's. It'll be good for Hanson's. They're friends of mine. I can spend a little bit of money on a board. It's my birthday, whatever. 
and I, and I can't get a hold of anybody at Hanson's. I go onto their website. I was going to like order one to come by and just pick it up, you know, like grab it, like, you know, grab and go. It just wasn't available. Like I, I really want a Xander. I'm ready. I've got the 700 bucks in my hand right now and I'm ready to go buy it and I can't do it. And it's crazy. It, it speaks to what we're talking about that. There's not, you know, this availability for direct to consumer, like bang, bang. I want this board, you know, there's friction in the system. Yeah. Anyway, that's my direct-to-consumer story well, as an, an experiential version of it. So was Xanadu posting a specific board that was for sale, or was he just advertising the model? No, I think actually, from what I remember, he the two boards were both going to a – they were custom boards that were going to a guy. Now, it is a model yeah. that he has. It, it is a model that he has. But they were – and both – the other board looked sick, too. It was like a bump squash. It was like a – it was like a hyper version of the old Merrick bump squash from the Tommy Curran days of like 1984. It was really a cool looking board too. But anyway, direct to consumer is where it's at. I, I'll try to show you a picture since you can see right now, I can show you a picture of it if you want. Uh, so I got so many questions. Number one, how do you, <laughs> okay. uh, number one, does that board fill a void in your quiver? that you don't already have. It, it kind of does. Cause I'm still kind of searching for the board that I can kind of rely on for a lot of different stuff. Um, the answer is no, I got too many freaking <laughs> boards. I got, let me just say, I'll just be honest. So I don't know if you can see this. Oh yeah. Oh, that thing's beautiful. You see that? Yeah. Yeah. I can see it. That's epic. See how it's got a lot of volume up in the front. Tremendous. And it's going to have a lot of, speed because Xanadu's boards are always fast. Right. And that's all I need. Ons? Yeah. I think he only makes it with glass-ons, which I really love. You know, yeah. I love the idea because Xanadu's that kind of guy. Like, he'll be like, sorry, this board only with glass-ons. Or no, you know, like he's so convicted in his designs, which I think is really cool. You know, he's not like, yeah, shit, I don't care. Put five boxes in there, see what works. Right. You know, he's like, no, this has got to be glass-on fins or I don't, I won't make it for you. Which, right. I, like I said, I, I really appreciate that. Right. Okay. So um, how do you justify the purchase then? If it doesn't satisfy a new, like a void in your quiver, how do yeah. you justify the purchase? And do you have to have a conversation with your wife? <laughs> okay. First of all, it doesn't, it does, it does fill a void. There's, there's a void. Like right now I don't have a board for a long time. I haven't had, I haven't had a board where I'm just like, okay, this is the one I'm going to ride for a while. I've been. I've been, I've had a lot of boards coming through a lot of, I've been dating a lot of women, you know what I'm saying? And I, I haven't, I haven't found the one that I want to, um, you know, marry just yet. And I used to have a board that I was married to for, I, I rode the same board for six years. Which board was that? It was a Henson Twinser, the original Henson Twinser that they made the mold off of at Surfliner Boardworks to make the pop outs out of Thailand on. I got wow. the original one. I uh, didn't, I tell you that story. Sean Madison. Yeah, who knows? Sean Madison. Yeah. He goes, you got to try this board. I go, okay, whatever. It was ugly. It's a beat up old ugly board, like a kind of a hideous board. I'm like, all right. And I wrote it. I'm like, oh my God, I love this thing. And so I didn't give it back to him. And, and he's like, and Sean's a really good guy and a friend of mine. And he's like, look, just, you know, we've, I brought him another board and some cash. We made it right. But I mean, I was, I was so in love with the board. I was like, Sean, I cannot give you this board back. And he got it. He's like, okay, I get it. Just take it. And, but so anyway, point is, is that I had that board for a long time and I haven't been able to fill that void. 
Now I did have a, some, um, and I try. That's the board I've been trying to get replicated forever. By the way, that's right. Okay, that now yeah. comes full circle. But so, um, how does a board last six years? Dude, you should see that. I still have it. I can break it out and show it to you. It's beat to shit. Like it got so delaminated that I had Pendo. Do you know Steve Pendarvis? Pendo down yeah. in Oklahoma. I had Pendo Pendo it, you know, because it was just so delaminated. It was kind of losing its feel, its spring off of the tail or whatever, you know, it was just like crushed. So I'm like, okay, Pendo, put in your Pendo magic on it and make it a flex tail. And he did that, which was cool. But it, this board was delaminated up to the chest. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was crazy delam. So it lost some of its spark, you know, like it was kind of two steps behind because it was, I was pushing in on this fiberglass that, yeah, you know, but considering how much you surf, I'm still shocked that it would even go seven, six years before yep. DLAM or with uh, it would go. I would think it would go two years, you know, to get to that point. It's a well constructed board. It was. I, I mean, David, I took this board to Indo probably four times. Like, what? Yeah, it's been on planes every. Like, it's gone with me everywhere. Crazy. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, how we got here, but well, we got there because you're looking for an all rounder board. You. In your effort to recreate that experience, yes. you've purchased 300 boards in the interim. <laughs> Looking for that one. I have. And four of them have been copies of that board. I even had Hinson try to copy the board and nobody could get it right. <laughs> and it's, Dude. it's, you know, and nobody will get it right. It's nobody's fault. It's just one of those things. And as you know, I've, sp I've spoken with numerous shapers on the boardroom podcast about this, uh, this idea of replicating yeah. a board. And they all just go, Dude, there's just no way. The glass layup, the structure of the the stringer, mostly the, the flex pattern in the stringer, even the foams, they're just never going to be the same. No. And then, you know, how much did you sand the board? And, and you know, interestingly, um, Ekstrom and I, um, we did some extreme measuring on this board, Carl Ekstrom and I, to get it. And we found out that the board's tweaked. Like, it's not, it's not a perfect board from the get-go. Like, it's one side of it is completely asymmetrical from the other side, but not on purpose. It's supposed to be right. a symmetrical board, but you know, it's Mike in his garage, you know, just doing his thing, you know, maybe the lighting was bad or whatever. I don't know, but it, but it's the killer sport. It's such a good board. So it's kind of proof positive that, you know, it doesn't, some of the worst boards have little twists and flaws or some of the best boards have twists and flaws. And I mean, this board, I've broken the fins out on this board numerous times. Szymanski's fixed, the fin boxes on this thing at least six times. Dang. Yeah. That's it's amazing. Cool. I should show you this board. It's kind of a cool board. I mean, it's a very Just cool board. Post a photo of it after the show so that everybody can see it. I will. If you would do me the kindest of favors and remind me via text, then I'll, I'll do that. Okay, I will. Um, so Instagram for you is like Tinder. You're talking about dating a bunch <laughs> of different women. You're just like scrolling, swiping left, swipe. You're Xanadu, swipe right. No, you don't even know. It is like, I'm like, I'm like, uh, Josh Martin, you know, please make me a chambered balsa fish. You know, I've been asking him for like a year. Like Have one, you really? Well, like once every six months, I'll like go, hey, Josh, what do you think? He's like, well, he's all, you know, for whatever reason, like he's busy with, he's busy, which is kind of cool, you know. So but, the question still remains. Yeah. Do you have to have a conversation with your wife about this acquisition? The answer to that question is I don't have to. It probably would be smart to. And she will eventually find out. I'm not hiding it from her, but I, I'm not like going out and jumping up and down because I actually got my, um, I bought myself a birthday present 
already, which was this. Can you see that? I can see that a distortion pedal. Yeah. <laughs> Epic. So, so I could. So she's going to hear the results <laughs> of your purchases. I couldn't go to her and go, "Hey, I'm buying myself a birthday present," because she'll be like, "Well, what about the thing that I hate the most? That distortion pedal." Right. When is your actual birthday? Oh, yeah, it passed. It was this month in April. Okay. Well, happy birthday. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, um. The so anyway, yeah. The more the more important right. question, the more important question with your wife is just where are you going to put it? Like you're out of space, dude. I've been to your house. I'm looking into your garage right now. You've got surfboards hanging from the ceiling, and I know that that's only part of your collection. So where you know that would space is the main concern I would think for your wife. Well, like you know, with all girlfriends, you know, when you get a new one, you kind of have to have the breakup with the old one. So. Yeah, right. Um, when have you ever gotten rid of a surfboard? Uh, you'd be surprised. I get rid of them. What do you do with I them? I take them to the board source in Carlsbad. My buddy John and uh, Kevin up there and um, TC, I think it is. Um, those, and J, uh, uh, JP from Surfy Surfy's up there now working up there. So anyway, that's how, where I, I dump my old boards there. How are they doing, by the way? Are they still open with during COVID? I don't know. I think they are. It's actually, it's funny. Guess what I did? I So before I called you, I sent them a text. I'm like, hey, do you got any Xanadu twin fins in there? No way. <laughs> yeah. That's how jonesing I am. I'm like, I'll buy a used one. I just want one. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you go but, in there to drop one off and you pick up three new ones. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see. That's amazing. He, he, he didn't get back to me yet. But, yeah. Well, Good for you, dude. Uh, I'm jealous. I think we're all jealous of your quiver, and we would no. all like to be the beneficiary of any hand-me-downs at any point. Yeah, there's no need to be jealous. It's stupid. It's kind of silly. But I am looking for a board, that, and I think this Xanadu twin fin is going to be the one. Good. Um, I've never ridden one. I've never had a Xanadu, but I fantasized about them hugely in the late 90s. Uh, it was Gerlach as well that was riding them a lot. Um, God, what was there? There was a surfer at... I think his name was Matt Dave, Coleman. Dave Kennedy. Yeah. Do you remember Matt Coleman? Matt Coleman. Yeah. Yep, he would yep. do the gnarliest layback turns and uh, he was yep. riding those. So there was a, like really a couple of super like kind of radical surfers riding them that I was so hip to when I was a teenager. And I, uh, I had a summer job and I was like figuring out how many hours, how many days I'd have to work to come up with 400 bucks so that I could get one. And I don't think I ever did. I'm sure I bought a surfboard with it. I don't think I ever got a Xanadu though. I, I know I didn't get a Xanadu. You know, I was thinking David Kennedy and, and you know who else is a really red hot kid from here who's, who's not a kid anymore. He's in a, he's a man with kids, children is Brian Conley. Who's from Solana beach, surf seaside all the time. And he, so he was a big Xanadu guy, and I think he still is. And now, you know, Kyle Abelli, wasn't Kyle riding Xanadus? You're this right. Year, You're right, year? he was. Yeah. Is Brian Connolly living in San Diego now, or is he in Mexico still? No, no, he's down in Mexico. He's he's fully he's fully involved down there. Wife, kids, a full life. He's He's got it going on. Dude, I would do it. When COVID crisis is over, I will book a trip down to Mexico just to interview Brian Connolly. I'd love to have him on the podcast. That's a really good call. And if you you, I mean, eye-opening surf experience down where he's at. It's pretty gnarly that that area. I'm not going to name names, even though everyone knows. But just out of yeah, 
the era I'm from is that, especially that one spot, that was the one spot we were never allowed to mention. And I remember yeah. when it got opened up in the magazines and I was just so bombed. People yeah. started dropping that name, but you know, whatever. No, he's gnarly. Um, I had a thought, but I've forgotten what it was. It'll come up again, I'm sure. Um, but did you have an email you want to read? I've got one. Yeah, I got one. You might have the same one. Is it from Greg K? Nope. I mean, I got that email, but you, I, I wasn't planning to read it, but you go for it. And I've got another one. Okay. So Greg K sent us an email. He says, hi, David and Scott. Just want to tell you, I really enjoy your show. I was happy to hear it's going weekly. I grew up in San Diego, graduate graduate of UC High School, uni, I think that is uni, or yeah, in 1983 with my local break, Scripps Pier, Greenwall. I am now relocated for the last 25 some years in Israel. Listening to your show has reconnected me to my surf roots and I enjoy catching up on SoCal surf scene. Luckily, there's a cool surf experience here in Israel with a secret spot, walking distance from the house, keeping me sane during the Corona break, along with your podcast. Keep up the great content. Cheers, Greg K. Thank you, Greg. Good email. Have you ever been to Israel? No. Me neither. Um, we do have a few listeners there, and I know there's a little bit of a board building scene too. Yeah. Um, super interesting. I, I would love to go there. I mean, the food's great. Wine's great. Surfing. I, you know, I would like beaches. to go there too. Just the culture, the history of the place, the all of the totally. There's so much to dive into. Beautiful people. I know I would learn. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I know I would come back from there and go, wow, my eyes were opened. You know, we all have these preconceived notions, at least I do, about what places are like or what I think they're going to be like, you know, and um, usually my ignorance is blown away by reality. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I've got an email that will open us up. Hey, you just covered your uh, camera. I can't see oh, it anymore. Sorry, bud. Um, I've got an email that will open us, open us up to the conversation about um, – what's going on in San Diego and the beaches being opened. This one comes from a longtime listener and actually probably our most frequent contributor, the person whose emails we read the most on the show, Rainbow in New Zealand. He said, I was sitting in my chair this morning in the sun having breakfast and I looked up at my wind vane ruminating about how I don't even bother to look at the surf anymore. I haven't taken the 90 second bike ride to get to my local scuttlebutt overlooking the sea. On Tuesday, which would be today, we leave full lockdown in New Zealand. New Zealand is getting close to total elimination of COVID-19. And surfing will be available again. But I haven't even checked the forecast, which is so unlike me. I'm normally looking 10 to 12 days out planning to surf. Have other surfers lost their lust? Has COVID-19 inoculated my will to surf? Will it ever come back? And more so, will I physically even be up to the challenge? What ideas have you got for a struggling now Val, vulnerable adult learner, once a hardcore surfer? End quote. Rainbow's plea to us, Scott, is uh, he's lost his will to surf. He's lost his lust to surf. So even when they reopen it today, will he be in fit, fit enough shape? Will the lust return? Are you struggling with any of these thoughts? I, I I can relate to some of them. I think, first of all, that his his lust will return as soon as he gets a session under his belt. Um, his, uh, his return to prominence might take some time, based on my own experience, and I'll get into that later with my mission. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, but that's not what it's about. It's funny how to... I, you, 
you know, you, I find myself saying these really trite sort of like old guy, surfer old guy stuff, you know, and it, it's, it's starting to ring true, you know, like it's not really about the epic session anymore. It's just kind of about getting in the ocean, rinsing off the stress, catching a few waves, rather do it without a crowd than with a crowd, you know, like all of these things as, as I progress through my, you know, middle age and getting into my fifties here. You know, some of the stuff that you heard when you were 25, you'd be like, whatever, dude, I'm going to be ripping aerials till I'm 60 or what, you know, like it's just, yeah, things change. And that's what seems to be happening um, with our friend Rainbow. Um, he's older than I am, I believe. And um, but he was in he's in good shape. Yeah. Like, I, I think part of his emails a little bit. Um, he's just kind of poking us a little bit. I know he's well, in great shape. Yeah. Um, and I, know I would he's like to I would like to tell him that the lust will instantly return. I mean, honestly, as soon as you get a look at the waves and as soon as you know that you're not shackled, I mean, I've been more froth to surf in these last two weeks that I've been allowing myself to. It was always legal here where I'm at, but um, I opted out for the first few weeks just because I wanted to, you know, be safe and stand in solidarity to a certain degree with everybody else and what they were going through. But anyways, the last two weeks that I've been surfing, I've been more frothed to surf than I have in a very, very long time. I think just that little bit of absence makes the heart grow that much fonder. And like you said, it re it shifts your perspective on the part of it that matters. So now I'm not concerned if I don't shred and have the best session of my life. I'm thrilled just to get in the water because I was locked up in the house for three weeks. You know, start to appreciate all that little stuff. Um, what I will say though, in regard to fitness is I'm getting more waves in a one hour session now than I was in two hour sessions previously, just because it's less crowded. Um, and that there's a bunch of images coming out of Southern California now that look super crowded. And I think that that's deceiving. There are obviously places that are very crowded, but as I was explaining to you last time, any stretch where the um, state parking lots are closed, you can usually find parking a half mile inland and then just hike into the beach and nobody else is willing to do that half mile hike or even bicycle in if you wanted to. And there's empty waves all over the place. So where it's easy to find parking, yeah, it's super crowded and then just go five minutes away and you can find completely empty surf by yourself. And I've been doing that for weeks now. And um, yesterday, the waves have been good the last couple of days. It's like yesterday I surfed super fun, as fun as it gets. Yeah. Peaky, three to four feet, peaky yeah. beach break, super close to shore, couple of guys up up and down the beach, but like for all intents and purposes, by yourself, you know? So, but Are again, so- yeah, a little bit. Not as bad as I've seen elsewhere. But like today, it was kind of offshore. Like you could see a, a band of it yeah. half a mile out to sea, but it wasn't actually, the waves weren't colored by it. Yeah, it's pretty what deep. About you? It's very, very thick down here. Is it? Root beer, just like really bad red tide, which which always gives gets me, my sinuses, it gets me, you know, I usually get a little cold or a little something, something. Corona. <laughs> red tide. <laughs> Are you concerned? I mean, will you not surf because of it? I mean, it's no, I'll surf, but I, I nine times out of 10, I get a little head cold. Yeah. 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 So I haven't gotten in lately. Okay. So is that, is that our, um, Oh, segue into your mission? 
Yeah. Okay. So we don't need to set the mission up, right? People who know, know. And anyway, three, so, I mean, seven up in three sentences. Okay. So I had set up uh, a mission where I was going to surf real early in the morning and I scouted it out. I did some, I reconnoitered and, um, and I, and I found this little zone where I, you know, where I grew up surfing and I knew about it and I went and checked it out and it was a good call. And so I, I set it up and I sent you some pictures and, and uh, we talked about last week. So I did it right. So last Wednesday I went down there at, I think I woke up at like four thirty in the morning, got my scene together, put on my wetsuit, grabbed my board, got in my truck, drove down there. I had my clothes on. So I had my full suit on and I have clothes on that make me look like I'm working out. So in case, I don't know, somebody sees me, I can look like I'm a exercising person. And in the dark, I run down to the little trail where I got to jump, jump down into the, into the weeds and kind of go through it for a little hike. Right. So it was exhilarating. I mean, it was, it was super fun. And I, I kind of felt like a teenager again, you know, um, you forgot to state you stashed a board in the bushes the day prior. So oh, yeah. you'd be able to enter and exit without carrying a surfboard. That's right. So I got, I got a backpack on, um, and, and I jump, I jump into my zone and I walk through the trail. And like I said, it felt kind of like I was, um, it felt like I was a kid again, which was really kind of the groovy part of this whole thing. Yeah. 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 I, I was subverting authority a little bit which as a 50 something year old adult, I probably shouldn't be doing. So there was a little bit of guilt, but there was guilty pleasure there too. I was like, ah, I'm sticking it to the man, which is, you know, that needs to be excavated, right? Like that's not like the mature man that I need to present to the people. But uh, no, 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 I disagree. Should that childlike spirit ever go away is when you should, when you've given up on life completely. I think there's, I think there's some validity to that as well. But, you know, so there was, it was kind of like that feeling you get when you go to trestles early in the morning. There was like the birds were chirping. It was still dark out, but the birds were chirping. I was on this groovy old hippie trail that I'd gone down numerous times as a kid. I got the smell of California sage wet, wafting through my nasal cavity. And of course, the excitement of getting in the water again after three and a half weeks. And actually being in the water again was interesting, right? Because there was some red tide. Um, it was cold. There was upwelling. Um, it was this like eight second interval. It was like four feet at eight seconds. So it was kind of like nonstop. I was completely out of shape, even though I've been working out. I've been running and working out and doing like all sort of TRX and free weights and thinking that I was going to keep myself in surf shape. But I found myself sort of like not in surf shape, you know, like, of course I got out, but I was like, holy shit, that was lame. Like it shouldn't have taken me that long to get out. Um, when I did catch a wave, I kind of farmed it. Like I was, like, <laughs> I was like tripping over my booty and, you know, like not getting my feet right. And, you know, because it was eight second windswell and low tide, it was like, these waves were pretty fit, fast and crisp. You had to be on your A game to, you know, find the moment. Yeah, I was just struggling. I think maybe one wave or maybe two waves. I kind of had my act together, um, but that didn't really matter. That's what I'm talking about, like right. that old man thing, you know, where it's like, 
from a surfing standpoint, I was like a two out of a 10, you know, like I looked like, if you would have seen me, you would have went, what dude, what's going on yeah, here? Totally. <laughs> I thought you knew what you were doing. Um, but the best part of it is, is again, it's not a surprise. It's just being alone in the ocean, early morning, super dark crack of dawn in nature, nobody around, you know, like nobody, like actually I had sort of some of those creepy shark imaginations kind of running through my thought process as well so but overall it was super killer and super fun and um eventually so at about 6 45 i'm just sitting out there kind of like half falling asleep or whatever and i hear this voice on a loudspeaker from a state lifeguard go uh attention lone surfer the series closed you can catch one wave in make it a good one and then he turned and then he drove off. He didn't even wait for me to come in. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like he wasn't full Gestapo asshole guy. You could tell he was probably a surfer. Yeah. Cause make it a good one means if you farm one, we'll give you another one. <laughs> or it means he had already seen me farm like 10. He's like, for God's sakes, pull it off. But thank uh, God gosh. he didn't even watch. He just drove away. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and then, so, yeah, go ahead. Then I come in. And I come back into the trail and there's a guy and his girlfriend, he's suited up with his board and he's just like, Oh, Hey, how was it out there? And I'm like, Oh, this thing isn't as magical as I thought. Like this guy, you know, he, he wasn't like, I wouldn't categorize him as a super hardcore surfer. It was more like, you know, weekend Johnny. And he's, <laughs> and he's going to ruin it for you. Well, I don't know if ruin it's right. The right phrase, but he's kind of like, Oh, you must be the guy I saw out there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was me. And I'm like, I, dude, I just got kicked out. So I don't know, you know, good luck. But the lifeguard just kicked me out. He's like, oh. And him and his girlfriend, I don't know what happened with them, but um, I took off. So the mission was a success. The mission was a success. Did you um, leave your board there in the bushes and try to do it again? That is um, proprietary information. That would be a yes. I cannot reveal that. Well, uh, it's it's a lot of uh, effort because right before they actually opened the beaches, you know, now it's kind of like I know done it for you could have utilized it for one week essentially. And I got some I got some pushback online from people that have listened to this. Um, I bet I could probably find one of the emails. Um, uh, when you get anyway. pushback, all of us, anybody who's in any public, I don't know sphere at all gets pushback from the internet uh when you get pushback from the internet do you heed the internet's advice do you adjust your course at all i mean no you know the, it just depends right it depends what yeah. the pushback is but but this you know most of the pushback was hey man that's not cool what about all the hospital workers who are on the front lines and if you get hurt and you go in there and you, you know i don't you know it was kind of like I stopped paying attention to that email as soon as you started uh, stating it. Because how many times have you ever got hurt surfing where you needed a hospital? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I can't recall. I've been hurt Once? pretty bad, but okay, so twice I was in Mexico, of, so there were no hospitals I was willing to go to. <laughs> so once out of the one million times that you've been surfing? Yeah. My point is that... Uh, I'm willing to play those odds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. But that was the pushback uh, that I got was mostly, you know, that's not, 
you know, you're going to, and the, you know, the other one was, Hey, if you do it, everyone's going to do it and blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we bar buried the lead a little bit. San yeah, Diego beaches are reopened. Have you been surfing? Yeah. The San Diego beaches are, are most of them are open and the ones that aren't will be open on Monday. Um, Which ones aren't? You're a little broken. You should know that. You're a little bit broken up. Oh. Which which um, beaches are not open? The city of Del Mar is not open. The cities that have state beaches in conjunction with city beaches, like Huntington probably has that. Those those beaches aren't open. So state beaches with that are connected to city beaches that are closed are also closed. For instance, hmm. um, the state beach that runs Torrey Pines up to Del Mar. Um, well, Encinitas is a great example. Encinitas is open from Swamis to Grandview, if you know that area north. But from Swamis south, it's a state beach. It's closed. Anyway, so it's really kind of confusing and lame. Like they, You'd think that after all of this hubbub, the the state authorities or the municipal authorities could have gotten together and said, okay, here's our plan. You guys, let's have a phone call. Let's all decide. We either all open at once or we don't. And it ends up like last week, there was like one beach that opened. So everyone just funneled into the one beach that was open and there's right. no social distancing. Like it just, it was really, it makes you question government when you're just like, really, you guys, you can't even figure that out. Have you been surfing since they've opened it up? No. Why not? Um, mostly because of the red tide. Okay. Have you paid attention? Are people, um, social distancing in the water that are now surfing? Yeah. Yeah. From what I can tell, everyone's doing a good job. And at Swami's the day they opened, there was a lifeguard on a ski, just kind of roaming around making, just kind of letting him, letting the people know that they were taking this thing serious. And I don't think he did anything other than just kind of, um, you know, put his, put his peacock feathers out there and say, Hey, we're here. So make sure you do the right thing. Do you think that the protesting played a role in them opening the beaches? No, had nothing to do with it. Why? Because I, I think that, I think that the city recognized with or without the protests that the public was sort of percolating and bubbling over and, and there was just no uniformity to the, so the way that they were letting some people exercise and some people not exercise. Right. I mean, look, you could certainly make an argument on the other side that, yeah, the protesting helped and you, you, you know, it would be a valid, it'd be cogent, you know, like it may be, but my gut feeling is because I talked to some people that are pretty high up in this. I've got some friends that are, that are pretty high up, that are literally in the conversations and these conversations were happening They've been in the works for a while. This wasn't like, oh, shit, we got a protest yesterday. Let's open tomorrow. You know, like they, they've been planning this thing out, you know, because they want to be open. Look, the lifeguards, they want to be open. Everyone wants to be open. The lifeguards want to go surfing. They're mostly surfers. They're bummed yeah. too. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that uh, there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel from this last couple of months and things are on an upward trajectory. So hopefully we don't see another spike in cases and, you know, any negative results from opening. But um, it's funny. I surfed this morning and I surfed a, a little bit more crowded area. And I'll be honest, it's tough to maintain social distance mentality when there's good waves and 
it's like the peak is right here and we all kind of want to be on the peak and you kind of, you just forget about the perils of the land and COVID-19 when that wave's rolling in. No, you're right. I mean, I've, it's one thing that I have been watching when I do check out the surf, I'm like, okay, who's doing it and who's not. And, and I could definitely put myself in your shoes and just be like, you know what? I'm paddling for that peak, regardless if I'm two feet from you or not, or, you know, like I, I see it happen. Totally. But well, because you, you're only going to be two feet away from that person for a matter of two or three seconds, you know, and then you're going to, so you don't take it very seriously. You know, again, if you could visibly see the germs, exactly. if there was a black light illuminating the germs and you could see there was germs in between he and I, then I might navigate around it, but you can't. And so you just kind of out of sight, out of mind and the waves coming and you got to make a decision in a split second. And so you just go, you know? So. Yeah. It's, you know, this really, it's funny as you talk about this and seeing the germs and all that, it really comes down to, to testing, testing, testing without massive, simple, easy, accessible, uh, free testing for the entire uh, populace, we're not going to see the disease, the virus. We're not going to see it. But if everyone has tests, like literally in their house that we can spit in and see if I got it or not, we're going to be able to stop this thing. That's how you stop it. David, if you spit and you don't have it, you get to go out. If I spit and I have it, I'm 14 days in quarantine in my bed until I'm done with it. And then I'm good to go for the rest of, well, we hope for the rest of our lives, as long as the antibodies continue the immunity. But until then, no testing equals no economy. That's basically how it needs. And the fact that, and I hate to get political, but the fact that, that the highest level of leadership isn't providing that, doesn't see that, yet wants the economy to come back, is it's frustrating. Yeah, it is completely. Did you just claim your kook of the week? <laughs> no, I actually have a different kook, but oh, okay. I don't like um, to get, we shouldn't get political here. Nobody wants to hear my political bullshit. Although <laughs> my Duke is actually a political Duke. But. All right, we'll get to it. Um, should we get into the main news of the week that just broke this morning? Yes, we should. And if, if you don't mind, I'd like to break it down sort of line by line with you. Um, and if you'll just let me take the lead here and you can comment. As I go. Lead the way. So the WSL announced this morning that, first of all, that all of the events through the month of June for this year, 2020, are postponed. Uh, and I'll read from the press release. Due, the, due to the continued evolution of the COVID-19 pandemic, the World Surf League is postponing or canceling all events at all levels of competition through the end of June. 2020 is an unknown. It's an open question. That's a quote from Eric Logan, the CEO of the World Surf League, on the video. So my question to you, David, is, is 2020 completely canceled? Um, my prediction is yes. Maybe on the off chance, on the, there's an off chance that there will be a final event. You know, maybe we have Pipeline, and it's a specialty event this year, but... I don't see it really coming back before then. Well, if we look at the schedule, um, it could be the case that in a perfect, like if everything goes as planned from this point forward, like everything unfolds in a ro with a rosy picture and in a, and in a good way, um, we could do five events. 
again, there's a lot that depends on that. I agree. Like I, I'm with you. I, I'm it's leaning towards. I agree, but think about like this: Tahiti is in, I think, the late August. Tahiti is yeah, August twenty sixth. Okay, so, and what's Tahiti like as far as the coronavirus? As far as the political situation there. I haven't seen anything about Tahiti in the news, but let's say Tahiti has largely um, avoided coronavirus. Do they then want people from around the world, all of these pro surfers and WSL workers from around the world to fly in and invade their space? That's the, that's the deeper question, right? What well, does Tahiti want a bunch of people with germs flying in? Which is kind of what they get. They get tons of tourism, no matter whether the WSL is there or not. But um, yeah, I just. So that's a political question. Like from a health standpoint, you'd be like, hell no. But from a, oh my God, our country depends on tourism. You'd be like, hell yes. So we'll see which side of that coin flips, right? But Tahiti in August 26th, I don't know. It, It could happen. I'm not saying it well. I'm just saying it could. I'm saying that would be number one of five events. Then right. you look at Lemoore, the surf ranch. By August, you would think that California has it together because California's sort of been leading the way. So we may have flattened the curve and we may have be at such a place that we could all go to Lemoore and, and have the event. Hey, God, the more I talk about this, the more I, I agree with you. Like, I don't see that we're going to have any events, maybe pipeline. I guess, I guess my the larger question for me is just that if it's going to be an abbreviated year already, it's going to be a lesser version, a far, far lesser version than what was uh, planned. Why then why risk, why yeah. risk anything at all? Yeah. You know, like if, if you're kind of rushing to get out, rushing out of the um, quarantine to hopefully salvage some amount of events, but the faster you rush, the more risk you run in contamination and liability that you run as a company. It's kind of like, well, why why even do it at all then? Maybe just focus yeah. on the end of the year and this revamp that we're going to discuss in a minute. That's yeah. what I would think. Because then, at, first of all, if they open with the wave pool, terrible optics, no matter how much the I'm WSL saying they're, they're open with Tahiti. So, okay, but let's just say that they don't get a chance to open in Tahiti. Okay. The wave pool's the next option in Lemoore. That's terrible optics for the company. As much as they want it to be a good thing, it simply isn't. Yeah. And then after that, we have Europe. And Europe has suffered drastically through yeah. coronavirus, and they're going to be the least likely to kind of let us do yeah. something like this without yeah. having quarantine periods for everybody on arrival and all that sort of stuff. So it all it's not just one or two things that have to fall into place. I know. It's a lot. It is. There's a lot. And I don't see it happening. I, I agree with you. I was trying to make a, a, a case for a five event season. Um, and again, you know, it's sadly, I don't think, but in a weird way, let's just move into this because in a weird way, it, it, it could benefit what we see down the pipeline here. No pun intended. So the next thing that they announced, which is really the biggest news is, an entirely new surf format for the 2021 season. And the press release states that starting in 2021, the women's and men's world titles will be decided in a single day of competition on the last day of the championship tour season with the top surfers battling for their respective titles 
in a new surf off format. So my first question to you, David, has this format been completely created and is it ready to be unveiled? No, the answer is no. What does the final design of this format look like, in your opinion, if, we you, were there, no. if you were there crafting it? Well, it would have to be based on, um, and Elo said as much, it'll be based on seating. So all of the events throughout the season position the rankings, and so maybe it'll be between 10 people. I would imagine that in this surf-off, there isn't the full 32 surfing off against one another. Um what he's saying or what the kind of point of it was is that the world title is decided in the surf off. So maybe it's just that those who have a point, uh, you know, a mathematical chance of winning a world title, like this past year going into pipeline, there was five people in, in on the men's side who are had a mathematical chance. Maybe it just comes down to those five surfers who end up in the surf off together. Yeah. That would make sense. And yeah. then you can run kind of a more robust, event between those five surfers to maximize the amount of the swell and then maximize the amount of time in the water in the best possible waves. So you take whoever mathematically lined up to potentially win the world title and you seed them into the quarterfinals. Yeah. And Elo did say that the one with the pole position will have an advantage going into that day. So it's not like a clean slate and a lot of your goodwill has been erased. You get to maintain the goodwill and the ranking that you've earned. Yeah, I'm sensing that they've looked at a few leagues. I know the PGA Tour does something very similar to this with their FedEx Cup, which is their end of the year sort of Super Bowl. And I'm, I'm sensing that they must be taking some of those, you know, better points that make sense that fit in. And they're probably looking at some other tours as well. Uh, you know, to try to, like I say, co-op some ideas. Let me ask you before we move on to the next point. Um, does it feel, does this, I like the idea. Of course we loved that this year, Idolo and Gabriel number one and number two ended up in the final together at pipe. And that's what they're trying to recreate. But does it lessen, if that is a foregone conclusion that that's how we're going to end the year, does it lessen the impact of every single event leading up to it. It doesn't lessen the impact if leading up to it gets you into the best possible position to be in a, in a great spot on that last day. I have a deeper question for you. Does this mean that no matter what, the final heat of the season will be between the only two surfers who, become, who could become the world champion? Because that's really what you need for this to be um, sort of what we saw, definitely what we saw last year. I, I mean, think that is, I think that is what it means. I think that if they design that final day properly, and let's say that there are the five surfers, then each round needs to be, have a certain point value that you have to accrue in order to advance your position. So that by the end of the day, it will be one and two against each other. Well, if, if yeah, okay, that makes sense. So that we don't know who one and two are, obviously. You could be one, and by the end of the quarterfinals, you could be five based on a shitty performance in your first heat. Correct. Right. But, but that really takes some uh, sophisticated math because yeah. if you can say there's going to be five people at the end of the year 
then sure, you could design the math right now. But what if there's 10 people? What if there's eight people? Then all of those point values change and the entire bracketing changes. Last year, there was more than five, wasn't there? Didn't we have like eight? I thought there was. I don't think going, I think going into pipe, there was only five. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what it was. Um, So no matter what, those last two man, that man on man heat, that man on man final is going to determine the world champion. That's, that's kind of interesting. And in that regard, it, it does point to what you were saying. Like, Maybe it does lessen a well, little it does. bit. I really think that it does. It's kind of like a round one. Every event of the season is kind of like round one. Yeah. You know, I mean, okay. not round okay. one. Yeah, it's like round 1.5. It's okay if you lo- you don't want to lose, but you're, but really you could potentially go into the final heat or the final uh, competition of the year, you know, I don't know. It's it's hard to wrap my head around it. I'm sure they're trying to figure it out too. Well, I I guess with anything like this, so many there's so many unknowns, and you won't actually be able to predict a lot of the missteps in advance. You kind of just have to go through the season and then realize that um, certain things just don't have the energy. That well, let me know, let me throw this at you. Let's say I'm number 20 in the world. I have no chance to win the world title. I'm not going to be one of the five or six or four or whatever that are that have a chance to win it. But I'm number 20 in the world. Uh, my name's Jeremy Flores. I'm a pipe expert. And I paddle out and, and I want to win pipe. And I do good. And I go through. How is it that I'm not in the final heat? If I'm right. at pipeline and like, how do I win the pipeline masters and not be in the finals? That's a great question. That's the one, right, that everyone's kind of scratching their head about. Right. And so I'm wondering if they're going to they, they're gonna have the Pipe Masters. After the Pipe Masters, they will have determined who the guys are that can win the world title. And then they will have this specialty day on the last day of the season. Like it's going to be an extra day that's the world title determining day. Maybe and it's, a, it's a contest within a contest. It's the end of the year surf off to see who our champion is. Maybe because if it was the previous scenario that we just kind of uh, thought up and only the top, the title contenders compete, it'll be a bum, a bummer that there's not legitimate, like Jeremy Flores, let's say, who's like a legitimate pipe master. And we would love to see surf at pipe. If he's not in that top five contention, he simply doesn't get to surf pipe. That would be a total letdown or John, John Florence or some legit pipe specialist, you know? And what does that mean for wild cards? There's going to be, there's going to be some people that aren't, aren't pleased with this. I'm actually quite pleased with this. I think it's a good thing, but I'm just just wondering how it's going to play out. You know, you're always going to have pissed off people. I'm reticent to say that I'm pleased with it. I am optimistic about the implications of it, but I'll be perfectly frank. Elo did not break down points. He emphasized, we're doing this for transparency. We want to let you in and know what we're thinking. It's like, dude, you didn't explain anything at all. You gave us this um, concept, which by the way, you and I have been talking about this concept for years. Exactly. We really have. And it's and it's not just us. The conversation is in the ether. We, we know that if the WSL isn't having this conversation, they're not that like they're it. just completely dropping the ball. Yeah. So it's obvious that this is the direction that everything was going. 
I feel like this whole um, announcement, this huge announcement from the WSL was too little too late. Like they didn't really explain much of anything. And it also should have been explained. If it was really transparent, then it should have been explained a long time ago to us. We kind of knew that this was where we were going. I'm not that impressed with this announcement. Okay, well, here's here's my take on it. I actually think it's a good announcement. I'll tell you why. First of all, you and I need something to chew on. Like the surf public is going, this is a bummer for everyone. And we were really looking forward to a 2020 season. And if you're this WSL, you, it's, it's a good idea. It's kind of like the NFL draft. It's like, let's get some speculation going. Let's get some people talking. Like, why not? If everyone knows this is the way we want to go anyway, and it's looking worse and worse for the 2020 season, let's start talking about this. And oh, by the way, why not have this be, and I think it is, an open source situation where there's so many Joe Blows that listen to the show that are so much smarter than you and I that are right now coming up with a killer format. Because you and I have gotten those emails. We've received those emails where we're like, God, this guy's actually got a really cool format and a good way to, you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of smart people out there that are crunching numbers and crunching formats and coming up with good ideas. It would be smart for Elo and the WSL to somehow open source this because it's obvious they don't have it yet. Like, let's open source it. Let's get some great ideas from like some like guy in Texas who's a friggin' spreadsheet master who loves surfing, loves the WSL, and can come up with some good ideas. I'm sure there are great ideas out there that need to come to the table. It can't just be like, you know, smart minds, all of them, but it can't just be Strider and, and you know, G and whoever, you know, whoever's in the meetings up there. They should open it up and let people comment. And I think open source is a great way to do that. Yeah, I um, I think that's been happening all along anyways. I mean, there's so many active commenters in surfing that the WSL has probably been sifting through that for years now and plucking from it. So I don't know that this announcement stimulates brand new conversations that weren't already taking place. Um, but I also, I, I just felt like it was anticlimactic. Like, you're right. Okay, if they're looking at the at the NFL and going, "Hey, they just got all of this publicity with the draft. We want to have some conversations of our own." This is a pathetic version of that. You know, like where is all of our content? Like we should if this is the best content that you can come up with to generate fodder amongst all of the commentators, wah, wah, kind of lame, you know? I mean, I'm glad I'm glad to see it. I just think it's a kind of much much ado about nothing. Um, this is ultimately a, a press release. Well, I, I, I'm a I was excited to hear the news. I knew that me it, too. Stimulate conversation, and I'm all and I am all for it. I'm glad that they're changing it. It needs to be changed. Change is inevitable. And but let me ask you this: Do you think it's going to take place at Pipeline? We're just assuming that. That's a great question. Uh, I don't know. The thing about pipe that's so great is that is the weather, right? Like the winds go offshore at mid, you know midday, and it just gets better and better, and it's always really good in the evening. Like pipe's the perfect spot for all the all of the reasons we know it is, but because at the end of the day is when the best conditions are, which is the opposite of almost every other spot on tour. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't realize you. Uh, made me think of this. I hadn't thought of it prior to us talking, but what if they run the complete season and pipeline simply isn't the final event? So we still have the pipe masters. And then after that, the top contenders go to Indonesia for the world title to be decided. That would make sense. Yeah. You'd think that they would have, if they were, 
I mean, again, I know they're early on in the process. Obviously, they haven't fleshed it all out. But if they had decided on pipe, they would have said, and in 2021, it'll be decided at pipe. And again, the final two surfer, you know, like they would have maybe mentioned pipeline in there, which is why I brought this up. Like I was like, hmm, they didn't mention pipe, which is interesting. You know, I hope they do it. You know, because again, I hope they do it at pipe. I just think it's historically, it makes a ton of sense. Right, right, right. Okay, well, what's the third point on uh, on the press release? Do you, well, wait, so I think we talked about this, but do you think there'll be a waiting period for this one final surf-off format? In other words, if, if it does blow out at pipe in the afternoon and they run the pipe masters, are they? do they have the ability to go, God, in three days, it's going to be really good. Let's wait they, three days. They haven't given us enough information to even weigh in on that, hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, they should have a waiting period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the by the way, yeah. by the way, kind of in addition to what I was saying about this feeling anticlimactic or like a not that exciting of news, um, they don't they didn't provide very much information. I mean, Elo said the points that you just said, but he didn't provide any details. I don't think they have them. I don't think they, I don't have think they do either. Which is I, fine. And, and that leads itself to the open sourcing thing that you said, and it also. He um, explained that by saying, we want, this is all about transparency. So this is what we're thinking about. And now we're letting you in on, you know, our thoughts before they're finalized. So I get that part. I don't necessarily buy into that. I don't know how earnest that is, but um, I kind of expected more meat in the announcement. But yeah, anyways, I've stated that. All That's right. the third Third thing is the Challenger Series. The 2021 season, the schedule will be updated to create distinct seasons apart and separate of the CT and the Challenger season. And as you know, you watched the video. The graphic was pretty interesting. Basically, the Challenger season is going to be probably the first three or four months of a calendar year. And then the remaining eight months of the calendar year will be the CT season. So from January through April, you can surf the Challenger Series and qualify, and then literally the next month be a rookie on the CT Tour for the remainder of the year. So it looks like there'll be eight events, seven events, something like that, maybe maybe nine events for the CT. And you could even fall off tour, re-qualify, and surf the tour the very next year. So you wouldn't even have a year off in between. Um, I like, I think this is actually quietly going to have the deepest effect on the CT and the progression of the sport. I think this was the best announcement or like the most, I don't know, original and, um, progressive detail yeah. of everything that they announced. Yeah. I love this idea. I think it's yeah. great. I think the one change here solves dozens and dozens of things that we have complained about for years. So I'm a big fan of this idea. I agree with you. This is groundbreaking, right? This allows, this is really going to allow a kid that's, that's hot and on fire and is just like, what the hell? I don't care. Let's go shred through the first, you know, the challenger part of the beginning of the calendar year, jump onto the CT with the same fire, not be worried about, Oh fuck. I just got to get a, you know, a couple of ninths and a fifth to, to make sure I requalify. Like, Dude, you can requalify again next year on the Challenger Series. Go out there and give it your all. Like balls to the wall. Like you know, like there's none of that 
you know, I, oh, I better just hold on. And I'm so stoked I'm here on the CT and I'm going to do everything I can to just kind of like get equal fifth, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I think that this puts a lot pointier end on the stick and it um, concentrates all of the flavors, you know? And in addition to that, maybe you were going to get to the next point, which is they're doing a bunch of regional, like the QS gets uh, separated into basically regional contests. So rather than that same seat QSer traveling around the world and trying to finance that, which is super expensive and prohibitive for most people, um, they can just focus on their regional events and pre presumably drive to the various QS events in their region. And once they're seated high enough, then they can justify the expense of going to the Challenger series, which again, takes place in three months or two months rather than all year long and just kind of bang it out and then very quickly be on the uh, CT. So I think again, reduces everything, makes it a much pointier stick, cream rises to the top really quickly. I think we'll also start cycling through talent a lot quicker. So yeah. whoever comes up through that feeder system, they maybe they kill it, maybe they make it to the CT and fall off immediately and we'll only see them for like two or three years trying to do that thing rather than the Joan de Ruse or the William Cardosis of the world who flounder on that series for 10 years only to make it to the CT and then sit in the 20th to 30th position for another five years, you know? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And on top of that, as we look at the calendar year and we say to ourselves, well, in the past, that would suggest that they're going to go to Australia and maybe maybe go like to Brazil or something for the like, but you got to think that's all going to get upended. Like, are they just going to have one event at snapper and then one event at trestles and then one event in France. And then that's the end of the, you know, I'm sure the challenger series will have probably five events, right. In three months or four months, I'll probably pound them out. Probably be one. I could see one down in Sydney, one up at snapper I mean, it would be ideal to just do them all in Australia because of the geography and how good the waves are and everything. Like, it's kind of easy. It's, it's, it's easy. It's not necessarily fair to the Brazilian or the North American surfer or the European surfer. Yes, I th obviously I the Australians. I think, hmm. I think the fairness is get uh, the best waves possible in a variety of waves. And Australia might be the place to do that. Yeah, but when you live, you know, like... If, when you live in Australia, it's a little easier as far as just like the logistics of moving about and all of that. Yeah. I just, I think that it makes more sense. Like if you're, if the goal is to um, condense it and make it more cost effective for everybody, whether that's part of the goal anyways, yeah. then it'd be challenging to, in those three months, try to get everybody to fly to, you know, five different. I agree. By the way, I'm okay with it. I just thought it was interesting when you think about it, the way that the tour was laid out in the past, will it be laid out in that sense? So you're okay with a challenger series. that's basically in Australia for four months. Bells, snap, well, if you're going to do it at the beginning of the year, then that's the right place to do it. Yeah. And right. there's, there's plenty of diversity of waves as well. This also opens the opportunity for like late winter or just like mid winter big wave events to have more of the limelight. Not yeah. that they needed it. I mean, they, they got our attention, but. Right. Um, I will say that I liked having an update from our CEO. See what I'm saying? You liked it. No, no, no. I mean, I like the idea of it being regular. Like 
look, if, if transparency is what you're going for, if that's the goal, let's get a press release once a week. Let's get, you know, uh, briefings. I know briefings would be insane. Zoom briefings would be so killer. Briefings every Tuesday. Just Zoom briefings with, you know, like you and me and whoever the rest of the media is, all the guys, you know, Blakey and all, all the guys. Get everyone in there. Get, you know, everybody involved. Nick Carroll. I'm not sure if they'll let <laughs> – even though they've got to have – Chaz has got to be front and center. I think he's exiled. I don't think he's allowed. You're kidding. Um, but I, I don't go, I don't go. <laughs> I don't need it to be a Zoom meeting. I'm happy with the way that he delivered this one. Just give us an eight-minute um, state of – the industry, the we state got, of the WSL. What are you laughing at? We got to have "I stand with Chaz" T-shirts made. <laughs> if he gets if he gets shut down from the Zoom pressers, we got to have some "I stand with Chaz" hats. He's gonna start Zoom bombing us if he's not in <laughs> on the meeting. <laughs> How's that guy doing? By the way, I don't ever listen to the grit, or I should. I just don't have time to listen to everyone. No, no, he's doing great. Is he doing good? Good. Yeah, it's fine. So I see John John got married. Yeah, how about that? He's a, so this is actually my Duke of the Week. Okay, go ahead, because we got to wind this down. Well, I saw this um, in episode one of John John's series Vela, the sailing series that he's doing right now. Yes. In the credits, I just happened to notice that it said special thanks, and there was a list of people, and one of the person's name was Lauren Florence. And I knew that he was dating a Lauren Cribb for year, the last couple of years. So I was like, Lauren Florence? And I actually screenshotted it and sent it to Chaz. I'm like, dude, Beach Grit, new rumor. John John's potentially married. And uh, I don't know why Chaz didn't run it. He probably couldn't substantiate it. But as of two hours ago, Stab Magazine uh, did break the story and said that it is official. John John and his longtime girlfriend, Lauren Cribb, got married in a very, very private ceremony. Um, so yeah, used, used, used a ring, by the way, that his mother, Alex Florence, found in the sand on the beach at Pipeline. Yeah, but in the sentence, in the story, there was a word in there, like it was one of those rings that was passed down from generation to generation. That's what I, I was I think they were saying, passed down from his mother. Okay, because yeah. so it was right. passed down one generation, but it wasn't as if she had it. It wasn't an heirloom. Well, interestingly, my wife lost a ring right in front of the Florence's house there. Uh, so I'd like to take a look at this ring. It might be are mine. You, are you kidding? I am kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the most amazing turn of events ever. <laughs> But seriously, imagine the things that they find. Everybody sits in the sand at Pipeline to watch the waves. So there has to be stuff falling out of pockets all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a huge congrats. How do you think this affects John John's uh, pro surfing career and run for a third world title and all of his professional endeavors? Oh, I think this is, this is not going to – this is only good. This is only a good thing for him. What do you know about Lauren Cribb? That she's stable. Do you? Yeah. How do you know that? Uh, you know, I'm not going to reveal my sources. I just know that she's a stable force. They're going to have wonderful, a wonderful family. Mm. And it's going to be even more stabilizing for him. Uh, I don't disagree. I don't have any information that would 
let me feel otherwise or even confirm that. But you know what I do like about her? What? I like I like that she is out of the limelight. I like that they have not um, really displayed their relationship very much in the amount of years that they've been dating. They've been pretty low key about it. And I think that that bodes well for the relationship. There you go. Stable. <clears throat> Stable genius. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to have one. Gabby, did you see the same story where Gabby's dating an older divorcee, a Brazilian supermodel that's older than Gabby and probably just having her way with him? <laughs> I did not read it. I saw his post on Instagram last night. Uh, <laughs> with her so i clicked around on her profile i didn't really get a read on it but what did they say so she's a divorcee how much older uh she's 31 how old so is what, gabby like 25 or something no you think oh yeah maybe he is that young i don't know i really don't I know. know i just I said that i thought it was salacious so i threw it in there but did you know that she's actually 31 i know she's older and i know she's 31 okay um, uh, must be, oh, wait, you, so you said you're Coop you're or right. you're Duke? No, you said you're Duke. No, you're right. Gabriel's 26, by the way. So she's five yeah. years older, which yeah. by the way is, uh, what is that? 20% older than Gabriel. Wow. That's a significant increase. That is a significant. He's dating a cougar. Wow. That's some solid <laughs> data you got right there. Full cougar action. Full coog. And she's yeah. a divorcee. Dude, yeah. you know, divorcee. divorcee at 31 comes yeah. out of a marriage hot and ready to make up for lost time. Well, the radical thing was, too, is I, I think if you go to the stab story, it basically said something like she only broke up from her dude like two months ago or something. Oh or so she's fully prowling. And she's like, oh, who's that Gabriel? And she just swooped on the guy. This is full rebound territory. I sense, I sense a broken heart. This, this is rebound. bad for his world title chances. A hundred percent. This is not good. This does not bode well for Gabe. Uh, she is absolutely looking to get freaky. She's been in a marriage. She's been locked up. The cougar is released into the wild. And you know what? I'm going to argue... Not a good move on Gabriel's part to go ahead and publish a photo together. Like, it's cool if you want to get freaky with his divorcee, but that's not the same thing as publishing it on Instagram and taking her home to meet your parents. Well, that's you know the sad I mean? part is that he's all lovey-dovey and she's she hasn't posted anything on her Instagram. So she's like, he's yeah. all lovey-dovey and she's like, okay, I'm just going to chew you up and spit you out like a used watermelon seed. And even if she doesn't plan on doing it, that's what she's going to do because that's the nature that relationships and that human, you know, uh, I don't know what human nature takes after you come out of heartbreak like that. Two years. Yeah. I don't even know how long she was married. doesn't matter. Two months isn't long enough to settle into a new relationship. Correct. You're correct, sir. Expert uh, relationship advice here. On it's all, all good news for John John Florence. He's the odds just went way down. He's even money now. John John's even money. Totally. Well, what about Idolo though? Idolo's Idolo's odds went down too. Idolo's two to one. All right. So All you right, named your Duke, right? So my Duke is Gavin Newsom. My Duke Kahanamoku. Gavin Newsom. I would not vote for Gavin Newsom. I did not vote for Gavin Newsom. 
But I think he's actually providing some much needed leadership and guidance by using science to dictate the state's decisions. And he's helped formulate this coalition of Western states and governors, this Western pack with Colorado and Oregon and Washington. And uh, I think Utah, believe it or not, I believe is in there. And so I'm kind of stoked on Gavin Newsom. I, I'm, I'm not cringing when I see him on TV. He's, he's coming through, like I said, much needed leadership. And uh, I'm a fan. He's my Duke. I like it, Scott. I agree. We don't need to get political on the show. Um, but that leadership detail is like such a breath of fresh air. Somebody speaking clearly, somebody utilizing a lot of different data points to make a collective, informed, and also rational decision. Um, it is really, really a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I, I yeah, it is. It's a rare know? moment of a feeling of optimism for our kind of, uh, you know, the hands yeah. that we're in. Yeah. So my kook is, I don't know if you saw this on Instagram, but somebody put a, a paddle out protest for April 25th, last Saturday. This is literally two days before the city and county of San Diego planned on beginning the easing of restrictions at beaches. So um, I'm not necessarily like, the kook isn't necessarily because of the protest. It's more of the, the kookiness is the horrible timing of this event. Two days, that could have really screwed us up. Like if that went wrong, and I don't even know if it happened, but that could have just been proof positive that, oh, we were going to give you back your beach ac access, and now we're not because you're such a bunch of idiots. So, yeah, that's my kook. Fair enough. Um, I have a must-see moment that I wanted to ask you about. Had, yeah. uh, Stab Magazine did their electric acid surfboard test with Noah Dean, and they're yeah. charging 10 bucks for it. Um, yeah. And I haven't yet watched it. I didn't. Yeah. But – and I'm, I guess I've just got – I don't know. I've been watching a lot of things, so it hasn't been on my priority list. I'm not opposed to paying the 10 bucks and I actually uh, kind of support the decision that they've made to charge for it. So I'll get around to watching it eventually, but they are doing little shaper profile pieces that they're putting out once a week. And they're, I don't know, five minute long pieces that are having a conversation with each of the shapers that submitted a surfboard to this, talking to them about the board design taking footage of Noah talking about the surfboard design and also showing Noah surfing on the board. So far they've done Panda. They've done uh, Daniel Jones and they just released the channel islands one today without an interview uh, with a shaper, but just talking to Noah about the board and they're really well done. They're really insightful. So if you have any interest in board design and kind of trying to articulate how a design translates to being written on the wave. I think that the pieces are pretty good at doing that. They're pretty effective at doing that, which is something that's kind of really hard to do. So each of those is available on stab mag or on YouTube um, via stab mag. And you should check them out. And Noah Dean, by the way, is shredding. It, I watched just them, great yeah. to watch them. I've been watching them actually, as they leak those little bits out with the shapers and the, the Daniel Jones twin fin looks killer. Yeah. He, Noah's surfing it really well. 
Some of the other ones, you mentioned two others. I'm not sure which one I saw, but the board didn't look, it didn't, it's so funny. You can get a lot by the surfer's reaction, his facial, um, you know, what basically you can kind of tell if he's stoked or not when he comes in from the beach, you know, when he runs up to the beach for that sort of that shot, you know? Yeah. And, um, it was pandas that you're thinking of. Maybe it was. It didn't look like the board went super good for him. For Noah, I'm sure it's a good board. No, well, Panda, there was, again, even in what you're talking about, there's lots of information to be gleaned. And what it was for that board was that the fins were too small. And Noah was savvy enough to then go in and put bigger fins in. And then the board started working really well. And then they addressed that with Panda. What are you, what are you doing? I oh, think Panda? it's... The the canards, those side canard fins weren't canted out the way that Will Jobson and Rusty figured out a long time ago. If you look at any Twinser, they always have those little side bites canted out more than you would suggest, than you would think. They're not straight okay. up. And those ones that Panda put in, they didn't have the cant. And I mean, I, I would just tip my cap to Will Jobson and go, look, the guy spent 20 years perfecting this friggin' this little Twinser fin, the canard, why not just go with all the work he did? You know, right. and maybe, maybe that's not why I, you know, I'm just saying, but I'm just, that's the one thing I noticed that, you know, what, if you look at any of the Twinsers out there, the Manamis, the Jobsons, the Rusty, the C5s that have the canards on them, anybody that is anybody that's making a Twinser, Larry Mabel, whoever it is, They've got that can't. They're just like, this is the way Jobson's doing it. It must make sense. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that's why the board maybe didn't. I mean, as you say, he, he put bigger fins on and he liked it. So maybe that that's, a, that's a good that's a good catch and a lot of good information. Um, what was interesting was Panda was saying, like, you know, Noah's trying to write it in a way that this style of board isn't really meant to be written. He's trying to do big old airs on it and stuff. But when he put the bigger fins in it, he was able to do the things that he was trying to do. And so that illuminated ideas for, or stimulated ideas for Panda where he goes, Oh, well now that leads me, I'm, I'm going to move away from the twins or design and add this little feature and this little detail to accommodate what Noah is doing. And that's a now new model or potentially a new model down the road, you know, like it stimulated brand new design ideas, which I think is part of the fun of doing all of this. And I'm a big fan of uh, Panda. What's his name again? Blake. Blake. Yeah. I'm a fan of his boards and I've seen his boards and I've always looked at them with a curious eye. Like, well, those look like they would go pretty damn good. So um, I'm not here to poo poo Blake or. His no, no, of course. And I would love to try that Twinser with the fin straight up. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, what I like about that piece uh, is that it doesn't just throw out the design. Whereas I feel when Jordy won Stab in the Dark, he had a bad experience on the Hayden and he said so, and then they move on. And so kind of the takeaway out of the whole piece is, oh, Pizel won and he hated the Hayden. And there's a lot more that goes into this than just yeah. hating a board. You know what right. I mean? So I, totally I think that this version of it allows uh, that discussion to take place. Yeah, I totally agree. Good point. So awesome. Uh, well, my musty moment. Last time it was the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. They dropped episodes three and four yesterday or Sunday night. So you should check that out. And also the final season of Homeland, if you haven't watched it. 
it's, it's really good. Tried to watch the last dance. I did a search on Apple TV and um, you yes, said yeah. it was, I know you said it was free, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, do you, do you pay for ESPN? You know what I have is I use my, my uh, YouTube, YouTube TV, not, <laughs> not YouTube, but I actually buy the service called YouTube TV. That's I cut the cable. I no longer have cable. No, me neither. Um, all right. So maybe it's part of that add on because I couldn't find it. I'll, I'll do a better search tonight. I kind of. You might have to download an ESPN app and throw some Maybe. dollars away. I'm not sure. Okay. I'll watch it. Everybody's talking about it. That's really good. All right, Scott. Okay. Uh, at boardroom show, spitpodcast.com. Who do you have on the boardroom next week? Or do you? I'm trying to get Jonathan Wayne Freeman. Have you oh, interviewed okay. him yet? Yeah. So I'm trying to get him. It's funny. I was on. He was live on his Instagram yesterday morning, and I just happened to be checking it out. And there was some guy, they were just having some talk about something like, uh, you know, <laughs> and I wrote, surfers are the worst. And I sent it in and he interrupted the conversation. He said, hey, boardroom show just said surfers are the worst. And I think he's probably right. That's funny. Uh, I thought I'd reach out. I think he'd be, I don't know anything about him. So I want to get to know Jonathan Wayne Freeman. I, I don't know anything about him other than his recent, uh, you know, the yeah, exactly. Cool. I look forward okay. to that. Okay, good. Until next time. Adios and aloha. Come on.